Did you know that we're exposed to thousands of commercial messages every day? And are you aware that consumers tend to trust what influencers say about brands much more than what brands say about themselves? When brands need to cut through the noise and reach consumers, influencer channels offer an unrivaled space to create genuine, meaningful dialogue and connect directly with consumers on their terms. Welcome to Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, a leading influencer marketing company for fashion brands. This is your weekly podcast to understand more about influencer marketing and why it's such a powerful channel when it comes to building trust in your target group. Every Wednesday, we'll cover topics such as how to build a successful influencer marketing strategy, how to measure the effects, the role of influencer marketing in the overall media mix, and of course, the latest trends and insights on what's up in the influencer marketing and social media sphere. And we know you're busy, so every episode is right around 15 minutes. Perfect to tune into on your morning walk, during your morning routine, or on your way to and from work. Join us and our expert guests to stay up to date and take your marketing strategy to the next level with influencer marketing. The world's fastest growing marketing method. I'm Sana Oudmark. And I'm Frida Ekholm. And this is Influencer Marketing Talks. Hi, and welcome back to 2024's first episode of Influencer Marketing Talks, a podcast brought to you by Cure Media, the leading and award-winning influencer marketing agency for fashion, home, and beauty brands. This is your weekly podcast to learn more about consumer behavior in the digital age, and of course, all things influencer marketing in right around 15 minutes. In this episode, I am delighted to welcome Lucy Maguire, Senior Trends Editor at Vogue Business, for discussion on what we can learn from luxury fashion brands in 2023 to bring with us in 2024. We will also dive into how these fashion brands use innovation to stay relevant among Gen Z and millennials during challenging economic periods. Lucy, how are you? Hello, Frida. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. It's super nice to have you here. So I just told you when we chatted before that uh, your previous episode on the podcast was one of our most popular. So I thought for 2024, why not bring you back? Oh, that's great to hear. I'm glad to be back. Yeah. So we have a couple questions that we will walk through, but before we dive into those, Lucy, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your role at Vogue Business? Of course. So I'm Senior Trends Editor at Vogue Business, and what that means is I cover everything fashion related, but digging deeper, also youth culture, digital trends, um, consumer behavior, and also emerging brands and startups as well. I run the Vogue Business Next Gen Edit, which is a weekly newsletter where we spotlight different brands and startups in fashion and beauty. Yeah, I love that. It, advice for every marketer out there, just go into Vogue Business and you can read uh, read very quickly about the latest trends in an easy and fun way. Thank you. <laughs> so Lucy, looking back at 2023, what would you say is the most important thing to remember 
about fashion and the fashion industry? So in many ways, 2023 was kind of a year of reckoning for fashion. And there's a few reasons for that. One being that for the first time in a long time, luxury conglomerates, so Kering and LVMH that own most of the major houses, um, they saw a slowdown in growth. You know, luxury's had kind of a heyday for a very long time. Luxury fashion has been seeing insane growth year on year, 20%. That was kind of what happened through the pandemic. And actually 2023, finally kind of luxury kind of caught up with the economic downturn that we're seeing across the wider market. What that kind of means is that we've seen a sort of bifurcation of the market where the ultra high-end shopper is still shopping. So, you know, brands like Hermes, for example, still are posting strong growth. But actually it's that aspirational fashion luxury shopper that we're seeing their their kind of buying habits have changed and they're not really buying into luxury as much anymore. And so it's been a bit more difficult for brands. You know, they're trying to capture a kind of smaller pool of consumers. This also gave rise to the quiet luxury trend in a lot of ways. I think brands were very much leaning into that high-end shopper. So leaning into that shopper who doesn't want big logos, but wants the finest cashmere, the finest materials and, and can pay the heavy price tag on top. And so we've seen a lot of changes in that space. Also, we've seen a real acceleration of micro trends. So in 2023, micro trends were around in the pandemic, as we know, things like cottage core, etc. But in 2023, it felt like every week there was a different fashion or beauty micro trend and brands got really wise to it. So we saw brands like Hailey Bieber's Road and they were very smart because what would happen is Hailey Bieber would kind of coin a new phrase like strawberry girl summer. And then in the following fortnight, they would launch a product that subscribes that aesthetic, you know, a pink lip gloss. So I think that we saw brands really lean into these micro trends. And we also saw the micro trends themselves speed up and amplify. And finally, I mean, there's a lot to say, but we saw some new categories kind of come through as as fashion or luxury categories. Um, so, for example, and I put this in my kind of trends roundup of 2023, food is kind of a new luxury that we're seeing. And what I mean by that is we've seen a lot of fashion brands collaborate with food. Um, So Balenciaga Erwan being the greatest example, and that happened really towards the end of the year in LA. Um, But throughout the year, you know, even um, some of these micro trends leaned into food, you know, blueberry milk nails or donut nails. Um, We also saw, you know, people become obsessed with Joe and the Juice sandwiches, Erwan smoothies. I think as you know, luxury growth slowing down as people are not able to maybe buy into luxury fashion as much. They're finding other ways to show their status. And maybe that's a $25 Erwan smoothie instead of a £250 t-shirt or a £600 bag. Yeah, it's super interesting. And you mentioned all the trends like the blueberry milk nails. I heard someone, I think it was a TikTok video that also went viral because someone was like, isn't that just pastel blue? Yeah. Or like purple and yeah. So it's very fun to see what consumers like come up with new like perspectives on, I don't know, colors and food, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, and also to see how like the quiet luxury, uh, the succession uh, series, how mm-hmm. that like inspired and, and drove the, the quiet luxury like fashion and became like uh, the mood board for it. Absolutely. And that hit at the perfect time. That was around March time, just as this trend was bubbling up in, in the menswear season prior. And I think as well, it wasn't even just the succession, the looks that were in succession that were quite luxury. It was also the very famous kind of monologue about the capacious Burberry bag. And obviously that was a real like logo heavy or like print heavy product. And that was completely ridiculed in the show. And everybody found that really funny. So yeah, succession really drove the trend even further forward, I would say. Yeah. It's super interesting to hear hear the trends, and I think if you if um, our listeners don't know about these like the expressions that you mentioned, you can just Google it and you f- will find uh, what it means. Uh, I know uh, I've um, 
try to describe it for some people. Um, <laughs> but in recent years, we've, as you said, also seen a significant shift in consumer behavior, uh, particularly among Gen Z and millennials. So with these economic challenges and like a tighter grip on what we can spend, how are luxury fashion brands evolving their marketing strategies to remain relevant to these younger demographics? So I think when young people buy into fashion and luxury today, they're doing a lot of research. They want to know that the item comes in great packaging, is is ethically sourced or fits extremely well, no matter body type. Um, they want to know the fabrication's great. They want to make sure that the colour's true to how it is online, etc. And so actually the most effective tool that I've seen brands use, like particularly in 2023, is actually resharing user-generated content. So taking the content that users have made themselves wearing a product. Maybe it's a nano influencer, maybe it's somebody with 10 followers, but maybe it's somebody with 10,000. It's really in that lowered bracket of influencer, working with them to show audiences, okay, this isn't a campaign we've created. This is a real life person who's bought our product, who looks great in it, who's going to tell you how great it is. And I think that's a real paradigm shift that we've seen that, you know, people want to see people like them and have honest reviews about products and their efficacy or in the beauty space or their fit and their quality in the fashion space. So I think actually like coming down to consumers level and giving them the information that they need so that when they're making maybe that one, now it might be a rare luxury or fashion purchase. They want to make sure that it's absolutely the right thing from the off. And that doesn't even mean to say that they're going to buy it online, but they do that level of research on social media before they then maybe even go into store. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, um, I've gotten Lueve a lot, uh, up on my TikTok feed lately and they have like really found their way, I would say, but it's very like raw and authentic. Yeah. They had this, um, this influencer that, um, she tries out uh, or her, one of her first videos was trying out shoes at the shop. And then she was like doing gymnastics just to try out the heels. Mm -hmm. And she did like a tryout on Lueve's shoes. And at first I watched the whole video and I was like, okay, this is quite fun. And, but it wasn't until the end that I realized it was actually Lueve who posted the video. And that's super, it's fun. They're doing incredible things. Yeah. I saw one recently as well. And it's kind of a girl leaning out of a window wearing a coat and she shouts down to some girls below and says, girls, is it cold outside? And they say, yeah, it's kind of cold. And she's like, okay, I'm wearing this. It's Lueve. And um, it's so, so smart. And they're a rare luxury brand that have actually really leaned into the spirit of TikTok, what the content's about. Resharing, again, yeah, that user-generated content. There's another one of um, a woman kind of pronouncing Loewe. Yeah. Maybe last week. And yeah, I actually, me and the team were talking about this just the other day, that their content feels so relevant. And it makes perfect sense. They're absolutely meeting that young consumer where they are and they're creating the kind of content or resharing the kind of content that they would enjoy anyway. So yeah, I think they're a great example. Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. And I saw the, co I, I read the comments and they were like, this social media manager needs to get a raise and this is fantastic. So people are loving it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of luxury brands and fashion brands have really struggled with finding their voice on TikTok. I think that they're very, very afraid to kind of compromise their sort of integrity or aspirational status. But yeah, Loewe is just proving that you can be a luxury brand that prides itself on craftsmanship, et cetera, but also have fun. Um, with your social media and kind of join the conversation where it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And we know digital platforms have become very important for like both luxury brands, but also regular more mid-level brands uh, to gain engagement. 
Do you have some examples of innovative digital marketing techniques that luxury brands are employing to captivate uh, the interest of this audience? We had Louis as one example, but you probably have some more. Yeah, that's a great example. And and also in terms of the user-generated content, so more on the premium side than luxury, but the Frankie shop does a great job of kind of resharing. Um, they share users, you know, styling them, the Frankie shop pieces all over the world, completely different body types, etc. cetera. Um, Jeff Avenue does the same thing as well, Matilda Jeff's brand. Um, I know they've run into some um, backlash lately, but they, you know, they reshare a lot of user-generated content and they kind of tag it Jeff Avenue angels. And I think that kind of thing makes the customer, even after they've purchased, feels kind of part of the brand, um, which is really exciting for them. And another brand that does a really good job is Jacquemus. So they have used AI actually to do some incredible marketing campaigns. I'm sure you remember the one where it looked like there were giant handbags kind of skating through the streets of Paris. And we, we thought that was real. Like I genuinely thought that they were real for a, real, for a long time. And Yeah, same here. It really broke the internet. It took a while until I realized like this is not real. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that was a really like kind of eye-opening moment for the industry and kind of a really good use case actually for AI um, to create such an incredible moment where, yeah, people around the world like maybe believed, maybe believed that they'd done this kind of larger than life thing. But actually it was no less impressive that they'd done a larger than life thing that we all believe was real, but done it using AI. So that's re- that was a really smart move as well. Yeah. And they really set the standard because that's like all you saw, like directly like a month after everyone was like gathering their teams and was like okay we also need to do something and i know we had uh, it was um, the mascara in the um, in the subway mm, uh, yeah, did you see yeah. that yeah exactly yeah so i think yeah definitely that inspired other brands and kind of showed them as i mentioned that like showed them a kind of use case for ai because i think there's been a lot of fear around it um, and uncertainty around it and i think we still don't know what it's going to do for fashion but in marketing i think it's yeah it's definitely pre- presents a real avenue for growth in terms of creating those viral moments and growing your reach. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see what AI can do like this year, because I think it would, it will move super fast. Like I think until the summer it will happen a lot that we don't know now. Mm, yeah, and absolutely. then like a year ahead, it will be so much more functions and features uh, for yeah. all platforms and types of marketing efforts. Yeah, for sure. Obviously as well, like we, it needs to be regulated because I know, you know, it, in terms of the sag after strike, they kind of went on strike. And one of the reasons was that because ex- extras or supporting artists were being rendered in AI. Um, so like they were doing one day's work and then they could be, their likeness could be reused. And I think there needs to be regulation around that in fashion as well for models, etc., and influencers too. Yeah, yeah. Hope to see more of that this year. Mm. So influencer marketing has also been quite a game changer uh, in recent years of course and i think we will see more creative ways of how to use this channel and how to use these people how are luxury brands leveraging influencer and collaborations with them to connect with this audience so i think in 2023 we definitely saw luxury brands explore new types of talent and a lot of like what drove them in a way was cultural touch points. So a great example of this is um, during the spring, summer 2024 season. So in September, um, Tube Girl, Sabrina Bassoon from TikTok, was suddenly on the front row at shows, you know, Boss, Balmain. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And my colleague Katie did a great story on that. So people should check it out. But what the brands did was, I mean, this all happened within the space of weeks. Tube Girl went viral in August. And they were so quick to react and invite her to their shows and get her to Milan, get her to Paris. And I think that just shows, again, you know, that they're they're tapped in, they understand what young people are interested in in that moment. 
and also it's fun it's fun as well you know tube girls not like a serious type of talent it's not kind of an oscar nominated actress it's somebody who started in their bedroom went viral on the internet for doing funny dances on the tube but has been like welcomed in and then Madeleine Argy is another great example of this. You know, she creates sort of comedy TikToks of her telling sometimes kind of like kind of gruesome stories about her life. And she was at shows as well. And I think like these new talents that are kind of springing up on platforms like TikTok are being welcomed by the industry because, yeah, like I say, it just shows that they get it. Yeah. Otherwise, as well, we saw a massive surge in sports stars as kind of fashion ambassadors and also on the front row of fashion shows in 2023. And I think this is something that is set to continue throughout 2024, particularly with the Olympics coming up, LVMH are a major sponsor. Also, I noted this down in a recent trend report, but um, Travis Kelsey being um, the partner of Taylor Swift, but also a Super Bowl winner, has kind of shed shined a bit of a light on the NFL. And um, he wears extremely sort of loud, gregarious fashion. And um, some of the items that he's worn recently have completely sold out. So we're definitely seeing these new touch points like sports, like new sports like the NFL, um, also tennis, um, Gucci signed Yannick Sinner, the tennis player, as an ambassador. And at Wimbledon, he kind of walked on to the court carrying a brown monogram Gucci tote, which is completely against Wimbledon rules. You're supposed to only wear white. Um, but Gucci had done a sort of deal with Wimbledon and that felt like a real watershed moment as well. You know, to think maybe now Wimbledon is a new playground for brand ambassadors, um, for, for all the luxury brands to, to tap into. Yeah, it's really cool to see like, you know, the industries being mixed, like, you know, we have the sport and then we have the fashion and we have Tube Girl, which is more like music and dance, but then she becomes like fashion icon or makeup. So like all the different industries are being mixed. And I think here you can find, you know, the really fun, innovative campaigns or photo shoots or ideas or influencer partnerships. Yeah, totally, totally. So Lucy, luxury brands often have a very rich heritage. What's your thoughts on how these brands are balancing, preserving their legacy with the need to innovate and stay fresh in their marketing approaches? So I think it's interesting because... You would think maybe to harness younger consumers that luxury brands had to be really modern or shy, not shy away from their heritage, but kind of move past that conversation. But I think for certain luxury brands, leaning into their heritage on social media, even on platforms like TikTok has been really incredible. So Dior's a great example. They share so much savoir-faire, so many making of videos and so many stories about their iconic products. Maybe it's the bar jacket or the Lady Dior bag. And Actually, they, they get so, so many views and, and so many likes and comments on the, that, those pieces of content. Um, so I think for certain luxury brands, particularly the major, major LVMH and caring brands, and also maybe brands like Hermes, um, sharing their heritage stories is a great marketing tool. For others, um, maybe for brands without such, such a rich history or without such a high-profile founder, in a way, um, thinking of Loewe, for example... Obviously, it is a heritage house in, in a lot of respects, and it's really based on craftsmanship. But they've taken a much more modern approach, which we've already talked about, um, because I think that they they have less kind of story to tell in that respect. So it's it's better to update those stories and, and modernise. Um, I think as well, collaborations are a great way to sort of build on heritage and, and create freshness. Um, so we've actually just seen that on the Louis Vuitton men's runway. So they did a collaboration with Timberland. Um, it's really interesting in a show like that to see the trunks, which are absolutely the pinnacle of Vuitton's heritage, juxtaposed with a Timberland collaboration and a little bit more fun, you know, pixelated prints and 
the speedy bag in sort of bright colours and that are very much modern iterations. So I think like blending that as well, collaboration can be a great way to to build that brand heat and kind of modernise. Timberland's not a new brand, but that collaboration is surprising and it, it also, you know, builds on that heritage. Yeah, it's like the mix again. I really love it. It's the, it's the nice like merge between, maybe they can find a lot of new like consumers or audiences through that mm. kind of collaborations or what do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think obviously with any collaboration, and this is nothing new, but it brings it brings audiences to different brands, doesn't it? I mean, Timberland has a very different audience to Vuitton. And I mean, Vuitton has been a great example. They've done so many. They kind of, the, the Supreme collaboration that happened underneath um, Kim Jones was one like a sort of watershed moment, I think, for luxury collabs. So after that, everybody started doing them because it was so successful. And I think the best collaborations are when it's surprising and exciting, but it also makes sense where it's kind of oh okay those brands are so different you would never put them together but I can see how their audiences could cross-pollinate um I think tapping into cultural touch points so collaborations in sports are really big at the moment and um that makes great that makes perfect sense as well because sports you know that's some of the most popular common interests that you can have particularly in the menswear space you know sports stars have more sway with men's customers than any of the celebrity really and the penetration so like tapping into sports culture for example is a great way to build reach for a brand and, re- and reach new audiences as well yeah yeah we often work like that in the creative department here as well we try to like come up with new ideas by finding like different approaches or different like uh, industries how can you how could you combine this product if it were a collaboration with this product mm-hmm. or this brand and the most unexpected collaborations often gets like the most creative ideas <laughs> yeah absolutely and I think as well like the, the smartest brands collaborate with brand different brands in different tiers almost so you know looking at maybe a major label like collaborating with a Vuitton is one thing but then also collaborating with emerging designers so a lot of labels will do that as well whether it's tailoring labels so um for example I was just at Pitio Omo I'm talking about Menzo because it's Men's Fashion Week <laughs> as we speak right now that's the, it's sort of fresh in my mind but um Keton which is a really old and really traditional, expensive tailoring house, provided tailoring for Magliano, which is kind of Milan's rising emerging label. Um, and that's really smart as well, because like for Keaton, that is bringing that luxury traditional tailoring house to a whole new, young, fresh audience that are following this cool emerging name. Um, and you see that kind of across the board. I think a lot of footwear players, so UGG do it a lot. UGG will sponsor an emerging designer's show, and then the, they allow the emerging designers to work with UGG product and update it, customise it, um, and you know it brings it brings a new creative energy, and it just brings a new, really engaged, excited audience to a major label that maybe people have become used to looking a certain way and feeling a certain way. Everybody knows what an UGG looks like and feels like, but you know, creating that new creative energy can really, really bring in new new audiences. Yeah. Okay, so it's a new year. Uh, of course, I wanna end this podcast episode with what do you see as the most influential trends in fashion for 2024 what should we keep an eye on so I think that the conversation and we've definitely touched on this already but the conversation in 2023 was very much quiet luxury and the reason for that is because you know brands were really targeting that super affluent consumer because they're the ones that are still spending and the aspirational consumer is is spending less actually what we're seeing already I mean we're only a couple of weeks into 2024 but what we're seeing already is, and we kind of predicted this already at Vogue Business, loud luxury is back. People are 
tired of dressing <laughs> in minimalism. I think that there's always going to be a place for that. There's always going to be a place for that consumer. Quiet luxury was a weird trend in a way because it was making a trend out of something that has always existed and will always exist. But just from what we're even seeing on the runway, we've seen so many sparkles, sequins, bright colours, prints, um, logos again, embroidered badges. And it's interesting because it that translates across. So it's not even just a fashion trend, but it just shows that people are looking for that spark of joy with fashion. They're looking to make a statement, show their personality. And I think that then fashion marketing in turn will start to reflect that. Um, I mean, I've just touched on it, but the Vuitton show was such a massive spectacle, such a huge marketing moment, as well as a, a fashion show. And I think people are going to want humour, fun, um, from the way that they dress and the, and the campaigns that they receive. And I think even though the economic situation isn't necessarily improving, people are kind of taking a bit of joy from creativity. And, and so I think that that's going to be a major thing that we see through 2024. And also as well, I mean, I've definitely talked about this a lot already, so I won't spend too long, but... Sports, sportswear, the Olympics is coming up in July, uh, June, July, August. LVMH is the key sponsor. I think it's going to be the most fashionable, fashion-engaged Olympics that we've ever seen. Um, and we're talking about it so much at Vogue Business. Like, even how are we even going to report on this? We feel like it's going to be so many major moments. Um, it feels like the first time, and I could be wrong here, but it feels like the first time that a major, major luxury group has been the key sponsor of the Olympics rather than a sportswear brand. I think that just shows the way the market's going and I think we're going to see a lot of interesting stuff this year. Um, yeah. And also another exciting thing, this is maybe a little bit more niche, but no, it's not niche actually. Taylor <laughs> Swift's era's tour is coming to Europe. The effect that had on A, the US economy, but B, fashion trends, jewellery trends, friendship bracelets were trending on Twitter and um, TikTok, not Twitter, <laughs> TikTok for such a long time. Um, and I think that we're going to see way, way more. I imagine she's going to change the costumes, change the show up and we're going to see that starts to affect as well. Yeah, that's super interesting. And uh, I uh, I have a sports interest myself and I think it's so fun like that sports um, that sports is like coming into fashion and other industries. So I love that that merge of industries. Totally. And as you know, as new sports gain traction, then fashion starts to play in them, whether that's women's leagues. So I did a story recently on how and um, beauty brands are tapping the women's NBA. Um, and that's fascinating market because up until a few years ago, no brands were sponsoring the women's NBA or sponsoring activations of the women's NBA. Now, Glossier, NYX, they're all seeing massive value in um, these players as the viewer numbers increase, as the stands are full now. Um, and I think we're going to see that more across like different women's leagues. Then things like the NFL. I mean, I've already mentioned Taylor Swift, but since Taylor Swift started dating Travis Kelsey, like int- popular culture interest in the NFL has skyrocketed. And Alex Earl also is dating an NFL player. And so... Yeah, you know, people, I imagine that fashion brands are going to start working with NFL players more. They're in season right now, but I reckon in the June, the June menswear season, we're going to see a lot of NFL stars on the front rows. Um, so yeah, it's a really interesting time. Yeah, definitely. And that's a good summary for today's episode. We have learned a lot about luxury fashion and fashion and the trends, the ins and outs. Thank you so much, Lucy, for sharing your expertise. It was, as always, a pleasure to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for 2024's first episode of Influencer Marketing Talks. Remember, if you want to continue staying up to date on our weekly podcast episodes, what's up on the consumer marketing scene, or get the latest social media and influencer marketing insights, make sure you follow us across our social media platforms, which you'll find 
at Cure Media. <laughs>